That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Giantic. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I've been pretty vocal throughout the history series on my favorite types of players to cover, and we got one of those today, so I'm very excited. Yes, uh, the the under-the-radar Hall of Famers. Um, you know, it's hard to – you can't really categorize, categorize them right now, but Back you know, in April, this was probably the guy on the list that I knew the least about. Yeah, right. All right, I, you know, back when I started this list, I had, I figured you you would know the name, but I had doubts that like if this was picked, if this guy was picked in April, I had doubts that maybe you didn't even know. Yeah. Who he really was, but the guy has a phenomenal story, also phenomenal statistics, uh, and uh, we'll get into that later. Um, but we're going to start out with how the man, how the man grew up. Uh, you didn't even say his name yet. The man, Hank Greenberg. And yeah, to subcategorize some of the like under the radar hall of famers we've done. Fergie Jenkins is one of them where you don't like, he's a member of the 3000 strikeout club that you just never really hear about. Uh, Eddie Matthews is a member of the 500 home run club that you never really hear about. Hank Greenberg, he's a guy with a career, an, a career OPS above a thousand that uh, doesn't really get talked about outside of the baseball historians. So Hank Greenberg uh, grew up. He he was born in New York, New York, uh, another New York City uh, raised a city man. native. Yes just like Lou Gehrig was. Uh, his parents were two Jewish immigrants from Romania who met in America. And Hank's original name was supposed to be Hyman instead of uh, what actually his name ended up being. It was supposed to be Hyman. Uh, but the person filling out, his birth, uh, filling out that birth certificate never heard of the name. So probably figured it was a mistake and he put down the name Henry. So Hank Greenberg was not supposed to be Hank Greenberg. He was what a phenomenal origin story. Yeah. It, literally the quote from Society for American Baseball Research was, uh, but the man filling out the birth certificate, filling out the birth, uh, birth certificate had never heard such a name. So Imagine getting named by some random guy at the hospital that's like, nah, I don't want that name. How about this one? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, if you just simplified every semi-ethnic name, that would be pretty wild. Like, yeah. Uh, Greenberg, after being named Henry Greenberg by this random guy, uh, grew up in Greenwich Village. And that was where there were multiple baseball fields available for him. Remember, this is the early 1900s where it's still not as popular so having baseball fields was a, a premium and he would spend hours hitting at at the park and at james monroe high school his best sport was basketball actually not baseball and he also along with basketball played soccer ran track uh, also played football and baseball of course and he was not great at football but uh, the thing with Greenberg was he just tried out for the football team only to prove that he could play the sport. Uh, pretty, pretty committed to the idea that he could play the sport, so he ended up just trying out for the team and, uh, I guess, playing, playing uh, high school football. And with uh, baseball, with baseball, New York Giants manager – John McGraw uh, saw Greenberg play and was not particularly interested in uh, in signing Hank Greenberg and Paul Critchell, who was the same Yankees scout who got Lou Gehrig, uh, brought Greenberg to a game at Yankee Stadium and told Greenberg that Gehrig was quote unquote 
all washed up. And uh, also that Greenberg would end up being the Yankees first baseman in a few years. And personally, I'm not sure on the validity of this story because uh, Hank, uh, because uh, Lou Gehrig was 26 at the time of the story. So I don't know what Paul Kirchell was looking at. It just, and he seemed to be a talented enough scout to nab Lou Gehrig as it was. So I don't know what he would be doing panicking about Gehrig's career when he was only 26 because this happened in 1929. But anyway, Greenberg did not sign with the Yankees. He ended up signing uh, not in, with a New York team, but with the Detroit Tigers in September of 1929. So now Hank Greenberg is a professional baseball player, and he starts out in the minor leagues starting out the 1930s. In the year 1930, he hits 314 and slugged 560 in the Class C League because that's what it was known as back then. And he did so well that they brought him up in September of that year. And Greenberg ended up making his MLB debut on September 14th, 1930 at the age of 19 years, 256 days and popped out uh, to the, in his second, ah, popped out to the second baseman in his only plate appearance uh, of the year in the in major league baseball and he made a you know early impression not a great one but uh he continued in the minor leagues in 1931 he hit 318 and slugged 536 in the class b league and in 1932 he hit 290 with 39 home runs and a 573 slugging percentage in the class c league and he made the mlb roster out of spring training in the year of 1933 So then he, so, no, so then, uh, oh yeah. my bad. Uh, so he, he ends up going into his rookie season and he did pretty well for himself. He became a full-time starter beginning on May 21st for the Tigers. And immediately he was reminded of his, uh, of his religious background. Of 1933, when Hitler was taking control of Germany, a tall, quiet man with sure hands and a powerful swing began his rookie season with Detroit. Hank said that every day of his career, he was called some name from either the opposing dugout or from fans in the stands. Genie, Pike, Moe, Hans Presser. Back then, bench jockeys were called Germans Krauts. Italians wops or dagos, and this was somewhat bruising, but as Greenberg said, hey, I was the only Jew. When Hank began playing in the minor leagues, another player from the South said, Hank, tell me you're Jewish. I can't believe it. And Hank said, why? And the other player said, because I had heard that all Jews have horns in their head, like the devil. However painful his isolation, Greenberg refused to follow the example of some other major leaguers by changing his name to one with a more acceptable sound. Raised an Orthodox Jew, he was deeply proud of his heritage and quick to defend it against all comers. American League managers would yell at him from the dugout derisively. Throw a pork chop past him, he'll never hit a pork chop. I felt awful sorry for Hank Greenberg. Oh, they used to give that Jewish boy a rough, rough, tough time. Oh, they call him Christ killer and all that sort of thing. One day, Hank went into the White Sox clubhouse and challenged the White Sox team, saying, I don't like what you guys were saying to me, and I'm not going to take it. I want the guy that called me a yellow Jew SOB stand up. And Hank walked in front of all the lockers and looked back at all of them and left. The guy that said that was the luckiest guy in the world because Hank would have killed him. So that's really interesting there because, I mean, geographically speaking, when you think about, you know, anti-Semitism and discrimination against Jewish people, you really don't think of anything that, that took place in America. So to understand that, that you know, that that was happening in, this, in that country as well, uh, it's pretty eye-opening to see what people were going through because of their religious choices. Uh, yeah, it, it's just that it gets kind of muddled down with everything else because it wasn't, you know, it, the, it was, you know, it was a bigger problem uh, elsewhere, but 
it still was a problem to an extent uh, here. And especially like Detroit, which was a very blue, blue, blue collar area. Mm -hmm. uh, you just kind of heard those things and, you know, you know, ev everyone, there were a ton of groups that were discriminated against uh, back in the 1930s. And, you know, Greenberg was kind of the lone, the lone guy out there representing Judaism and he was getting, getting it from all angles. Yeah. Uh, but despite this, this did not stop him from playing well on the field. In the 1933 season, he hit 305 with an 835 OPS, a 119 OPS plus, 118 weighted runs created plus, and just shy of 500 plate appearances, exactly 499. This gave him uh, third in the AL in B War and F War among rookies. The Tigers went 75 and 79, finishing fifth in the American League. And after the season, the Tigers acquired two-time World Series winning catcher Mickey Cochran, who I swear to God gets mentioned on every single history podcast, who was appointed as the Tigers manager along with his position at catcher. So they hired him to be a player manager. We might yeah, as well Mickey have done a, a Mickey Cochran episode at this point. Like if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. Yeah, Mickey Cochran is a staple in like 1930s 40s baseball he's great yeah well, like, I mean, Mickey Mantle was literally named after him yep uh and uh he was a teammate of Jimmy Fox and Lefty Grove yeah he was quoted in a Lefty Grove episode about um his wildness in 1925 oh. and yeah he's he, he's a he's a st staple yeah he gets mentioned a lot here on the here on the history series so he now does. we get into uh, a two-year era where hammer and hank and the tigers ramp it up both hammer and hank uh the original hammer and hank he gets it going the tigers start to get it going under new management uh, so in 1934 through july 13th the tigers were a half a game out of first place in the american league after that point, Hank Greenberg hit 377 with an 1121 OPS and drove in 75 runs in 74 games. While the Tigers went 52 and 22 and did not trail in the American League on any day after uh, July 13th. However, the pennant race was still in question on September 10th. Uh, which was a day that happened to be Rosh Hashanah, uh, which was a day that uh, Greenberg traditionally sat out. It's one of the high holy days uh, in the Jewish religion. And this was the first time that Greenberg heavily considered playing on that high holy day. He ended up playing, and with the Tigers down one to nothing in the bottom of the seventh, he hit a solo home run to tie the game. And then, leading off the bottom of the ninth, he hit a walk-off home run. So I guess I guess he did not regret uh, playing on the high holy day. And later in the regular season, with the pennant wrapped up, uh, he did not play on Yom Kippur, uh, Yom Kippur or Kippur. Kippur. One of those two. Kippur. <laughs> yeah, and he did not play on Yom Kippur. Uh, as he usually did not, pennant was all wrapped up, so he decided to sit that one out. Uh, Greenberg ended up finishing sixth in average with a 339 average, third in OPS with a 1,005, fourth in OPS plus with a 156, and third in weighted runs created plus with a 151. And Greenberg led the league in doubles with 63 as a lot. He also finished fifth in B-War and fifth in F-War, and he finished sixth in the MVP vote. And his 63 doubles are the fourth most in a single season and remain the most in a single season by a player in their age 23 season or younger. And it is the only season in baseball history with 60-plus doubles and 139-plus runs batted in. 
It is also the only season in baseball history with 60-plus doubles and 20-plus home runs. How about that? And it is also the only season in baseball history with 60-plus doubles and a 1,000-plus OPS. How about that? And the Tigers went 101-53 and and, of course, won the American League pennant. So now Greenberg is in the World Series. So in Game 1... He went two for four with a solo home run in an eight to three loss to the Cardinals. So home run didn't end up meaning much. In game two, he went 0 for four with two walks in a three to two win. In game three, he went one for four with a walk and an RBI triple in a four to one loss. So he drove in, drove in the only run there. In game four, he went four for five with an RBI single and two RBI doubles. In a 10 to 4 win. Uh, in game five, he went 0 for 3 with a walk and an RBI flyout in a 3 to 1 win, which. The famous the RBI flyout. Yes, the RBI flyout. There was no sack flies until I believe 1954 or 55. So every, every sack fly before 1954 was counted, counted as an at bat. So. Who knows? Who knows how many more 400 seasons we would have had if uh, if we if we didn't have to. I wonder how many sack flies Tony Gwynn had in, in 1994. Yeah, exactly. Right. We could uh, we could rewrite history there. Um, in Game Six of the 1934 World Series, Greenberg hit a game tying RBI single in the sixth inning and ended up one for four with an RBI. However, the Tigers lost four to three to send it to game seven. And in game seven, he went one for four in an 11 to nothing loss, which lost the Tigers the World Series. But it wasn't Hank's fault. Hank Greenberg throughout the series hit 321 with a 978 OPS and seven RBI in that World Series. So now on to 35. So in 1935, Hank Greenberg continued his offensive dominance. He finished second in the in or seventh in the league in average with a 328, third in OPS with a 1039, third in OPS plus with a 170, and third in weighted runs created plus with a 158. Quite the discrepancy between those two there. He led the league in total bases, home runs with 36, and RBI with 168. His 168 RBI in the 1935 season remained tied for ninth most in a single season of all time which is very impressive. He also finished fourth in B-War and third in F-War. This won him the American League MVP. He also helped the Tigers go 93-58 and 58 to win the American League pennant. So now they are once again in the World Series trying to uh, get vengeance from last year. And early on in the series, he was reminded of his religious roots once again. Cubs were on his case so hard, so offensive, that the home plate umpire, George Moriarty, stopped the game, went over to the Cubs bench and said, I'm gonna clear this bench and throw everybody out of this game other than the nine players playing if you don't stop it right now. Moriarty went over there to tell us to kind of keep our language down and don't use too many cuss words, otherwise I'm gonna clean the bench out. He talked about how much it hurt his feelings to have people yell those things but as a competitor his reaction was ultimately anger that turned into determination to show them they didn't know what they were talking about he turned so hank greenberg once again facing uh facing the music because of his of his religious upbringings and in game one he went over three with a walk in a three nothing loss to the cubs however in game two he hit a two-run home run in the first inning but later on when Greenberg was on base, he tried to score on a single, and he injured his wrist sliding into home plate. The Tigers won game two, eight to three, but Greenberg wasn't able to play for the rest of the series because of this injury. But the Tigers ended up winning the World Series in six games. Not the way we would have wanted it to happen, but Hank Greenberg was a World Series champion. And uh, I got to say, Chris, with the Chicago Cubs, you know, they always talk about the curse of the Billy Goat and all these other things. This, why, why doesn't anyone talk about this is the reason they were cursed? um it's it's possible yeah. um maybe 
you know, I always go back to uh, when they blew an 8 nothing lead in the 1929 World Series against the A's. That's a valid um, one, too, but this was just a... This was a bet. This was this a, is a moral yeah. one. Yes. Yeah, it, it apparently it got, got pretty bad over uh, on the north side. Yeah, it did. So Hank Greenberg now has got to follow up his 1935, but unfortunately it didn't go very well for him in 1936. He was hitting 348 with a 1085 OPS uh, in 12 games that season, but uh, he re-injured his, his wrist and he did not play another game that season. So now we're on to another two-year era where Hank Greenberg is threatening the record books. Uh, in 1937, Hank Greenberg finished seventh in average with a 337, second in OPS with an 1105, second in OPS plus with a 172, and third in weighted runs created plus with a 164. And also to go with that, Greenberg hit 371 with runners in scoring position, and he had a lot of uh, men in scoring position, which resulted in him leading the league in RBI with 184. He also finished fourth in B-War and third in F-War, and he finished third in the MVP vote. And his 184 RBI remains the third most in a single season, and it remains one RBI shy of the American League record. And it is the only season in baseball history with 40-plus doubles and 180-plus RBI. Also, his 99 games with one or more RBI are the most such games in a season in the history of game logs. History of game logs goes back to 1901. Uh, And the Tigers went 89-65 and and finished second in the American League, uh, were not able to catch the Yankees as they went They went to that World Series four times in a row. And in 1938, Hank Greenberg threatening the record books once again. He was seven RBI away from tying Hack Wilson's single-season record. And from July 8th to July 30th, uh, Greenberg hit 15 home runs in 21 games. And after this run, he had 37 total home runs on the year and was on pace for 62 for that 1938 season. And in his next 39 games, Greenberg hit only nine home runs in those 39 games. And he would need 14 home runs in 24 games to tie Babe Ruth's record and 15 to break that record. So in, after this 39-game stretch of only nine home runs, in the 19 games after that, he hit 12 home runs, giving him five games to hit two home runs to tie the record, three home runs to break the record. And Greenberg did not hit a home run in those five games. And in the last game, the game was called Due to Darkness. And the umpire was apologetic to Greenberg, but Greenberg said, that's all right, George. This is as far as I can go, too. And according to legend, you know, this was on Society for American Baseball Research. This was on these, uh, I believe, Sports Century documentary, something on ESPN. Uh, according to legend, this exchange, this exchange happened immediately after Greenberg hit a ball off the fence. But uh, Greenberg did this leading leading off the top of the seventh inning and the Tigers and Indians ended up finishing that whole inning. So uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he hit the ball off the fence and then the game was over. They ended up finishing the whole inning, but that was, uh, that was the legendary story was that he hit the ball off the fence. He reaches first and then everyone goes home, but I doubt that really happened. Uh, anyway, in 1938, Greenberg ended up hitting 315 with a with an 1122 OPS, 169 OPS plus, and 162 weighted runs created plus, and he finished second in OPS, second in OPS plus, and second in weighted runs created plus. Greenberg led the league in runs scored 
with 143, walks with 119, and home runs with those 58 home runs. He also finished second in B-War and second in F-War, and he finished third in the MVP vote. And Greenberg may have had some extra motivation in 1938, you know? Think of how the world was shaping up to be back then. This is from Society of American Baseball Research. It says, Greenberg thrived despite the raging anti-Semitism that surrounded him at times. It was 1938, and I was now making good as a ball player. Nobody expected war, least of all the ball players. I didn't pay much attention to Hitler at first or any of the political going, goings on at, that, at the time. I was too stupid to read the front pages and I just went ahead and played. Of course, as time went by, I came to feel that if I, as a Jew, hit a home run, I was hitting one against Hitler. Most of that was from uh, Hank Greenberg. The first sentence was uh, an introduction to the quote. And yeah, Greenberg felt in 1938, as uh, Hitler was starting to make some headlines, he was hitting home runs against that dictator. And Greenberg was threatening the record books and he tied a record or has a had a record that has been tied. uh, His 11 multi-home run games remain tied for the most in a single season in the history of game logs. So even though he's 15 away from the single season record now, his uh, amount of multi-home runs in 1938 still remain tied for a record. And the Tigers in this season went 84 and 70 and finished fourth in the American League. And now we're on to a, a two-year era, 1939 to 1940, where he's not exactly threatening the record books he once was, but he's keeping it going, especially with the with the race statistics. So in 1939, Hank Greenberg hit 312 with a 1042 OPS, with that making for 156 OPS plus and 151 weighted runs created plus. This gave him fourth in OPS, OPS plus, and weighted runs created plus. He also finished 10th in B-War and 7th in F-War. He finished 18th in the MVP vote, and the Tigers went 83 or 81 and 73, finishing 5th in the American League. So Hank Greenberg still did his thing, but uh, other than that, kind of an uneventful year. But 1940 was much different. The Tigers catcher of the 1938 and 39 seasons, Rudy York, was moving away from catcher and could not play anywhere else but first base. And... When Greenberg was asked to move to the outfield, he ended up complying. With 34 games left to play, the Tigers were five and a half back in the pennant race. And from that point on, Greenberg went off hitting 381 with a 1389 OPS, 17 home runs and 45 RBI in just 34 games. And the Tigers went 24 and 10, ending up with a 90 and 64 record to win the American League pennant. And, uh, Greenberg finished fifth in average that season with a 340 and second in OPS plus with a 171. He led the league in doubles with 50, home runs with 41, RBI with 150, slugging with a 670, OPS with an 1103, and weighted runs created plus with a 168. He finished second in B-War and led the league in Fangraphs War. He won the MVP, becoming the first ever player to win the MVP at multiple positions. And this was Greenberg's third season where it was extremely, where he was extremely special. Uh, His three seasons with 40 plus doubles, 145 plus RBI, and a 1000 plus OPS up to this point remain tied for the most through a player's first nine seasons. And with his 1935, 1937, and 1940 seasons, he had three seasons with 35-plus home runs, 45-plus doubles, and 195-plus hits, which are tied for the most such seasons in baseball history. How about that? And uh, with Greenberg's 1935, 1937, and 1940 seasons, He had three seasons with 35-plus home runs, 45-plus doubles, and 150-plus RBI. 
No one else in baseball history has more than one such season. How about that? So Greenberg was definitely in a class of his own in terms of home runs, home runs, doubles, and RBI. And now we're on to the World Series where Greenberg played a big role in getting them to that World Series. So in game one, in game one, Greenberg went one for five in a seven to two victory over the Reds. And in game two, Greenberg went one for three with a walk and an RBI double in a five to three loss tying the series. In game three, he went two for four in a seven to four win. In game four, he went one for four with an RBI double in a five to two loss, once again, tying the series. In game five, in the bottom of the third, he broke a scoreless tie with a three-run home run. <clears throat> and he later hit an RBI flyout and ended up three for five with four RBI on the day in an eight-to-nothing victory. And then in game six, in a clinching game, he went 0 for 3 with a walk in a 4 to nothing loss. And then in game seven, he went 2 for 4 in a 2 to 1 loss, which lost the Tigers the World Series. And throughout the series, Greenberg was spectacular once again, hitting 357 with a 1007 OPS and six RBI. And eight days after game seven, Greenberg became the first American League player to register for America's first peacetime draft. And this, you know, kind of caps off a fantastic era of baseball from Hank Greenberg. Uh, from 1937 to 1940, Greenberg averaged a 327 average, 1094 OPS, a 168 OPS plus, 162 weighted runs created plus, 101 walks, 41 doubles, 43 home runs, 148 RBI, 6.6 B war and 7.4 F war per year from 1937 to 1940. And also in that four year span, he led the league in runs scored RBI home runs, slugging OPS. He, and he was fifth in B war and second in the league in F war. And now we get into actual war, not wins above replacement real actual combat uh you know two countries many countries more than two countries yeah very many countries like a whole lot of countries this was the avengers of of actual wars yeah uh so in spring of 1941 uh, greenberg was actually initially declined from the military because of his flat feet and because of rumors that he bribed the board who classified uh, his flat feet, he requested to be reevaluated, and he finally passed because he didn't want to be seen as someone who may or may not have bribed, which probably was not the case. Uh, Greenberg, Greenberg's uh, farewell game was May 6th, and in his farewell game, he hit two home runs in a 7-4 victory over the Yankees, so... Heck of a heck of a farewell game right there. And luckily for Greenberg, a few months into his service, Congress passed a law saying that men over 28 could not be drafted. And Greenberg, I believe, was 30 at the time. And Greenberg was discharged on December 5th, 1941, and uh, went, went to his home in Detroit to get ready for that 1942 season. And two days later... Uh, something big happened. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, uh, which was followed by the United States, of course, declaring war. And with that news, Greenberg stated, we are in trouble and there is only one thing to do, return to service. I have not been called back. I'm going back on my own accord. Baseball is out the window as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if I'll ever return to baseball. So Greenberg voluntarily going into service and Greenberg was sent to officer candidate school and commissioned as a first lieutenant on graduation and in 1945 he spent some time overseas but uh, like most baseball players uh, like most people 
in World War II, did not see combat uh, when he went overseas. And Greenberg received discharge on June 14, 1945. And this is another quote from Society for American Baseball Research. It says, for Greenberg, his time spent defending his country in World War II was life-changing. By the time he returned to the States, he realized that there, was more, that there were more important things in life than baseball. He had matured as a man. It was a long hitch and it was a wonderful experience, he wrote later. I can't say it was enjoyable insofar as we were deprived of our liberties, but considering that so many men had suffered much greater hardships than I had, and quite a few of them lost, had lost their lives, I guess I was just lucky to come back in one piece. And now Greenberg is back to playing baseball and he's producing like nothing ever happened. So 1945, Greenberg joined the Tigers on rejoined the Tigers on July 1st. The Tigers at the time were one and a half games up in the pennant race. And in the first game, he hit a home run in a nine to five win, four years of absence, just like nothing happened, like Chris said. He ended up hitting 311 with a 948 OPS, which ended up being a 166 OPS plus 168 weighted runs created plus in 312 plate appearances. And among players with at least 310 plate appearances, Greenberg led the American League in average slugging percentage OPS and weighted runs created plus. He also hit 400 with runners in scoring position. This gave him 14th in the MVP vote with just over 300 plate appearances. The Tigers ended up with an 85 and 60, 88 and 65 record winning the American League. So Greenberg back in the World Series. And in game one, he went one for two with a walk and a hit by pitch in a nine to nothing loss to the Cubs. And in game two, in the bottom of the fifth, with two men on and two men out, Greenberg hit a three-run home run and ended up one for three with a walk on the day in a four-to-one win. And I believe that, yeah, that was a uh, it was a one-to-one game at the time. So that was the go-ahead, pretty much game-winning home run of the series or of the game. And in game three, with the series tied, he went 0 for 3 as the Tigers got one hit in a 3 to nothing loss. In game four, uh, Greenberg broke a scoreless tie with an RBI single and ended up 1 for 3 with a walk and a 4 to 1 win. And in game five, while 0 for 2 on the day and with the game tied 1 to 1 and one man on, Greenberg hit a go ahead RBI double and he was eventually driven in and in his two following plate appearances after that he hit doubles where he was eventually driven in just like the previous just like that previous plate appearance and he ended up in game five on the day three for five with three doubles in an eight to four victory and in game six in the top of the eighth with the tigers down seven to six he hit a game tying home run and he ended up one for five with a walk on the day, uh, but the Tigers lost eight to seven in 12 innings. This was his third World Series where the Tigers were up three to two in the series, but could not seal the deal in game six. And then in game seven, Greenberg went 0 for two with two walks and a sacrifice bunt, but the Tigers won that game nine to three, which gave Greenberg his second World Series championship. And throughout the series, Greenberg was an absolute hero, hitting 304 with an 1162 OPS and seven RBI. And he had the most win probability added of anyone on the Tigers. So if there was a World Series MVP, Hank Greenberg was probably going to get that in 1945. And in Hank Greenberg's career in the World Series, uh, he had 318 with a 1044 OPS along with 22 RBI in 23 career World Series games. And he was able to drive in those runs because of a great average with runners in scoring position. In the World Series, he hit 346 when there were men in scoring position. So a spectacular postseason career, uh, as well as a fantastic regular career for Hank Greenberg. So now we move on to 1946. And in his final 23 games of that season, he ended up hitting 15 home runs, 
with 36 RBI. And for the season, he hit 277 with a 977 OPS, 162 OPS plus, 165 weighted runs created plus. This gave him second in all of those rate statistics, OPS, OPS plus, and weighted runs created plus. He led the league in home runs with 44 and RBI with 127. And this meant that he led the league in home runs and RBI in his last full season before the war, which was 1940, and his first full season after the war in 1946. And he went to war. So it's not like he was, you know, he wasn't getting his, it's not like he was getting his reps in between the, that time. Yeah. And he been third in B war and second in F war and eighth in the MVP vote. And this is the only season by a player in their age 35 season or older with 40 plus home runs, 29 plus doubles and five plus triples. How about that? The Tigers went 92 and 62, really good record, but not quite good enough as they finished second in the American League. The Tigers felt Greenberg's best days were behind him. So, uh, and Greenberg agreed with that in a way because he had spent a lot of time uh, on the trainer's table in 1946. And on January 18th, 1947, Greenberg was sold to the Pittsburgh Pirates for $75,000. So in 1947, uh, Greenberg, after the news of this, uh, not really trade, but selling, I guess, uh, Greenberg considered retiring before the season even started, not only because he was aging, but because Forbes Field, which was the home park of the Pirates, was not kind to right-handed hitters. And to entice him, the Pirates pulled in the fences and offered Greenberg more money to play for them. <clears throat> Greenberg ended up hitting 249, uh, but with a eight with an 885 OPS, 132 OPS plus, and 133 weighted runs created plus. And Greenberg finished ninth in OPS, ninth in OPS plus, and tenth in weighted runs created plus. Pretty good for a guy who's sort of on his way out. Uh, and he also was able to lead the league in walks with 104. And although it was a relative down year for Greenberg he made bigger impacts off of the field uh, this is a quote from Society for American Baseball Research once again the biggest beneficiary of Greenberg's move to the National League was young Pirates slugger Ralph Kiner Kiner had led the circuit in home runs as a rookie but he was still a, role, a raw talent undisciplined at the plate upon joining the Pirates in spring training Greenberg immediately took Kiner under his wing, teaching him the finer points of what it takes to be a consistent slugger in the major leagues. He was the most astute student of hitting I ever knew, Kiner remembered about Greenberg later. And also, outside of Ralph Kiner and teaching him the finer points of hitting, in May... The Brooklyn Dodgers came to Pittsburgh and Hank Greenberg told Dodgers rookie Jackie Robinson, quote, listen, I know it's plenty tough. You're a good ball player, however, and you'll do all right. Just stay in there and fight back. Always remember to keep your head up, unquote. And very big uh, off-field impact by Hank Greenberg, even as he's on his way out. And the Pirates ended up going 62 and 92 and finished seventh in the national league. And Greenberg saw that the pirates really had no direction at the time, kind of similar to the, to today. And he retired after the season was over. You know, it's interesting because I remember when I watched 42 in theaters, you know, the pirates were not an organization that was very kind to Jackie Robinson when he played against them. So to see that, you know, Hank Greenberg from the Pirates was going up to him and, you know, giving him all the encouragement that he needed, it's, it's definitely a breath of fresh air from a, from a franchise that you associate with, you know, being hateful from that movie. Right, exactly. So now we are in Hank Greenberg's post-career, and in 1950, he became the general manager of the Cleveland Indians, and he actually helped build the AL pennant-winning 1954 Indians who went 111-43. and uh, but they lost to Willie Mays and the New York Giants. And in 1956, Greenberg was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And after 1957, when Indians owner Bill Veek sold the Indians and became owner of the Chicago White Sox, 
Greenberg followed him there and became a part owner of the White Sox and the vice president. And in the 1960s, he got into the stock market and made millions of dollars investing. Uh, and eventually he sold, he sold his stake of the White Sox for a very considerable profit and ended up moving to Beverly Hills. And on September 4th, 1986, Hank Greenberg passed away at the age of 75 after a lengthy battle with cancer. So now we look at Hank Greenberg's all-time ranks. His career 1,000, his career 1017 OPS ranks sixth of all time, and his 605 slugging ranks sixth of all time as well. His 159 OPS plus ranks 16th of all time, and his 154 weighted runs created plus ranks 20th of all time. And among right-handed hitters specifically, his OPS ranks second, his career slugging percentage ranks second, his OPS plus ranks seventh, and his weighted runs created plus ranks seventh. So he is one of the best right-handed hitters of all time. Very much so. I, he was actually, um, I had a list of possible DHs for, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I could say our all-time draft. And Hank Greenberg was one of the considerations because yeah. he was just, he was really, really good at hitting baseballs. And uh, now we get into a shorter edition of uh, of what we call How about that? and uh, Greenberg uh, has the most career home runs and doubles for anyone with less than 6,200 career plate appearances. How about that? And another one, an un unexpected one from my end. I literally put player. this in mid-show. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't put that Surprise. in. Surprise. Uh, he's the only player in baseball history to have multiple seasons with 165 plus RBI and 45 plus doubles. How about that? There have only been five of such seasons in history. Three, two of them belong to Hank Greenberg, and the rest have one. So that was uh, 1935 and 19. Uh, 1940. No, 37. 37. Yeah, yeah. 37. Close though. Yeah, how about that? that? It would have been. It would have been 40 or 45. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, I. I don't it. know. I didn't catch it. I didn't catch. It's a very good stat. I caught it. You. Happy, that was just, that was just a test. Yeah. I was happy you, to... you were you were you were seeing if I could if I could come up with a how about that on the spot and I didn't. Yeah, I just I just only I only had one just to just to see if you could pull one out. I did, and uh, I'm, I'm proud I'm proud to see that you were able to do that. Yeah. Um, I just didn't catch it. It's bad, bad on my part. But on to Hank Greenberg's legacy, which, um, you know, is also bigger than baseball. But first of all. Hank Greenberg was a fantastic uh, postseason performer who played a big role in two championships. You know, even though he only played two World Series games in 1935, they would not have gotten there without it, without him. Uh, definitely not. Uh, Hank Greenberg also, just statistically, one of the greatest hitters to ever do it. Uh, top top six in OPS, top six in slugging. Just a fantastic hitter, and you you can only wonder what would have happened if there was no if there was no war happening uh, in the middle of his career. Another one of those guys where you where you can only imagine. And Greenberg also, by the way, had one of the best post careers that we have talked about. I mean, yeah. the guy uh, just he killed it in terms of in the he baseball business life. yeah he goes makes millions off the stock market probably more than he ever made playing the game and then he goes goes and uh moves to beverly hills afterwards and uh you know lives to 75 which is a uh, pretty good especially in the 20th century but yeah he was <laughs> he has one of the best post careers that we have talked about uh he set set himself up well after his career some 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 of these players we've talked about didn't really do that but uh greenberg was really living it up after after 
he hung the hung up the cleats. And Greenberg also should be known as a, as an absolute patriot who yes. volu- voluntarily served his country in the middle of his baseball career. And he was at, he was probably at the biggest risk of anyone too. Like he had a tar- like not only did he have a target on his back for being an American soldier, but he had an even bigger one because of his religious beliefs. Yeah, it, absolutely. And like, you know, he was a guy who pretty much volunteered to do it. You know, like you are you are risking your life of being killed in combat. I know he never went to combat, but if he was caught somehow, you know what was going to happen to him. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that's true. That is true because you know, if he if there was um, if the war went on longer, you know, he was a guy that was already overseas. You know, he might have might have had to see combat, and yeah. I can't imagine him being a, a POW in Germany. It As a would not man. have been. Yeah, as a as a man of Jewish faith, you know, wouldn't have gone wouldn't have gone well at all. And he still volunteered to do it. You know, we've done multiple players who uh, served during World War II. You know, you know Ted Williams. We we love yeah, the I guy. Mean, he didn't volunteer whatsoever. He had to be basically forced into uh, doing military service. And Joe DiMaggio was somewhat similar. Hank Greenberg. Greenberg had a had a way out. Like he had the opportunity yeah. to not do it if he didn't want it to, but he was like, "No, sign me up for this war right now." Yeah, multiple ways out of it. He yeah. he had a flat feet, and he could have just not gone to get reclassified, but he went out and got reclassified, and then he was beyond the age of twenty eight when the when the war uh, began, and he was still raising his hand saying yeah i would like to uh i, I would like to serve my country in yeah. a time of war very very honorable uh, especially during that time but yeah i mean that that should definitely be remembered and also uh greenberg was an inspiration to jewish people and other discriminated groups and he made a positive impact on ja- on jackie robinson when he was at his most vulnerable you know right in the pretty much right in the beginning of that 1947 season where not all the, not all the ballparks had seen the guy and were able to, if they were discontent with the idea of him being there, did not get that out yet. But, you know, Hank Greenberg got him, you know, in the middle of May and uh, gave, gave him some much needed advice because, you know, Jackie Robinson probably felt very alone at that time. And, Hank Greenberg did his best to help him out um, in the time that he had with him. So that should be remembered. His inspiration to the Jewish community should be remembered. And of course, you know, him being a, an absolute patriot who 100% voluntarily did not have to serve during wartime, but did and passed up on a great baseball career to do so. So Greenberg, it almost seems like he was bigger than baseball. Very much. Yeah. Like, when you think of Hank Greenberg, you might not even think of baseball first. Yeah. I mean, like, there are plenty of all-time baseball players whose legacies go beyond the game of baseball. You know, Jackie Robinson is the obvious one. Roberto Clemente, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. Not only is Hank Greenberg lo- overlooked as a baseball player, he's overlooked as an American hero. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, like, there, he was the first ever, you know, Jewish – guy that was you know a star a star in baseball and he overcame discrimination and at the end of his career he was very well liked uh in you know on the field and that set up for someone like sandy koufax who uh we've we've also covered yeah but he was a guy of jewish heritage who uh was able to thrive in baseball but hank greenberg was the pretty much the first guy uh to do that i mean i I don't know if it would be in his bio, but he must be like the first Jewish baseball Hall of Famer, I would think. Sounds about I'm not right. Sure if anyone else. Uh, I'm gonna look that up first. First Jewish baseball Hall of Famer. Are they gonna have that? Yep, Hank Greenberg. Yep, there. First it is. Jewish player ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So there you have it. 
probably should have included that in post career, but well, if you stay till the end, you got a surprise. How about that? Yes, yes, that's why that's why you got to listen to the whole episode. So yeah, Hank Greenberg, the first first Jewish player elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So yeah, he was definitely the first Jewish baseball star. Opened up uh, opened up the route for guys like Sandy Koufax. But yeah, uh, anything anything more that you got on Hank Greenberg? That's about it. Yeah, very. very I'm happy. very glad you put him on the list. Yeah, I was. This was one where when I when the name popped in my head, I was like, "Ooh, yeah!" Like we got to do we got to do Hank Greenberg. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Now we get on to our favorite part of the show. Um. We are. This is the uh, last time I'm ever going to be selecting a number. Um. Yeah. I mean, like technically you can next week, but there's only one option. There's only one option. What's the point? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, right now, our, you know, the numbers are down to one through five, but you can only pick a number two or number two or number five. Um, should I even go to the? I know the numbers. I'm just trying. I feel like by tradition, I should pull up the list, even though yeah. I know uh, S S S T B N L. It's called <laughs> the Google Doc is called S T B N L Lottery, so that's already a throwback. Wow. All right. So, yeah, we know the deal. We got to, you know, the list used to be 30 players long. Now we're down to two uh, player. So we got player number two, player number five. Which player are we going to be talking about next week? I feel so bad for whichever player just doesn't get selected after 29 tries. Yeah, it's like the last person in, in gym class. We're going to go with player number two. Player number two, I think you'll be kind of uh, excited about about this one too because I've heard you point out the name recently in terms of underrated players. This guy had pretty similar rate statistics to Hank Aaron uh, while Hank Aaron played, and you know because he played in an era of such greatness, uh, he kind of gets overlooked, and he was the first player to uh he was the first player to also he's a world series champion and i think multiple time world series champion and i think he was the first player to win an mvp in multiple leagues next week we're going to be talking about frank robinson yeah that's right not next week though in two weeks uh, oh yeah yeah two weeks frank, now, two weeks frank robinson now. is one of the is a sneaky all-timer he, he, that man has accomplished everything. Like, if you look at his baseball reference page on, like, the list of achievements, it just goes down so far. It seems like, like, he won a manager of the year. He won a World Series. He won a MVP. He did everything. Yeah, he had that. He had the staring contest with the umpire. He did have the was... staring contest with the umpire. I love yeah, that one. He... Yeah, he's a, yeah, one of the great – a triple crown winner, too. Mm-hmm. Back in uh, 1966, I believe. Um, yeah, you know, he faced, <laughs> faced Tom Seaver in the 1969 World Series. Yeah, a bunch of playoff experience, too. So, yeah, there's Frank. That's Frankie R. Heck, yeah. Uh, he, so, managed yeah. For, he managed for a ton of – he managed for 17 years. Yeah, he's. Uh, this might be our longest episode because we got to go over twenty playing seasons and then seventeen managing seasons. Yeah, and and we got some we got some video likely as well, um, and yeah, he's a. Uh, there's two, there's two people with their number retired by three different teams. So there's Nolan Ryan and then there's Frank Robinson. Actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he the first black manager? In yes, the yes, yeah. he was. Big deal. So yeah, we yeah we got his plan yeah a lengthy manager managing career too. Yeah, this guy this guy was a baseball lifer, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that is a, that is a good one. So yeah, there that concludes the Hank Greenberg uh, episode. We we were glad to do this one, and we hope you really enjoyed this one. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the videos with us. 
go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio, and go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube channel. If uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me at, on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. And we hope to we hope you enjoyed this Hank Greenberg episode, and we hope to see you next Tuesday. We'll where we'll be previewing the AL West, maybe another Division Two, and plenty more. And we hope to see you next Thursday where we're going to be talking about the 1998 San Diego Padres. See you 